0: All right, hey guys, and welcome back to the 747 Club Podcast, 747 Conversations. It's your host, Chris Shembra, and on the other end of the line is a dear friend, broadcasting live from California, Afdal Aziz. Welcome to the podcast, buddy.
1: Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me.
0: After so many... um, after so many uh, Mezcal-based cocktails in the pool at the Soho house over the entire summer, <laughs> you've since departed off to California, and it's a true pleasure to, to, uh, to connect again. And the first question I want to ask, because uh, you have a very unique background, is if you could give creditor thanks to one person from your childhood growing up in Sri Lanka that you don't give enough creditor thanks to, who would that be?
1: I think the only answer I could give is my parents. So I'm going to have to go with two people. Um, I think it's, it's funny when you look back at what your parents gave you in terms of, you know, gifts. I think uh, I have to thank my mom for giving me drive and intensity. Um, you know, believe it or not, my mom was a marketer as well. She, she actually did it for 20 years for airlines, for, you know, British Airways and Delta, and uh, from her, I learned really about, you know, how to really focus and really have discipline and and, uh, and achieve things. I think for my dad, who is um, somebody who I admire equally and respect immensely, you know, he worked his way up from being a government lawyer in Sri Lanka um, to, you know, working his way up to be the attorney general of the country. And um, I have a huge amount of respect for how he did it, his work ethic, but also his sense of moral justice and sense of what is right and wrong. Um, and I think um, together, both of them have really given me this, this wonderful twin gifts of, you know, this sense of, of feeling like your work should add up to something that's bigger than you and has a social impact, um, but also the, uh, the drive and focus to be able to mm-hmm. put the hard work against it to get it.
0: And that mentality, that beautiful mentality, uh, that your work should add up to something, you know, kind of like building a legacy kind of thing, is that what most Sri Lankans feel about their work? Or were you different growing up? Did you fit in? Or did that separate you from the pack?
1: You know, I think most Sri Lankans, you know, my generation grew up during a civil war, right? They grew up during Although was almost like a 30-year war uh, in the country, an internal uh, conflict uh, between two ethnic groups, the Sinhalese and the Tamils, and uh, they grew up in a in a, a in a environment that was pretty stressful. You're growing up with the threat of terrorist attacks. You're growing up with continuous stories of violence, and I think you grow up with a heightened sense of what it means to be a citizen and what it means to get involved. Um, in the politics of your country, in a way that you know people growing up in a very peaceful society probably didn't. So I don't think I'm any different from from, from any of my peers in that sense. I think the path that I've taken that is different is really now focusing my work around uh, the link between what you do for a living, i.e., your work, and how that ladders up to your purpose, uh, what you're meant to do on this planet, and 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 Purpose is inextricably linked with the legacy you leave behind of, of positive impact, uh, you know, on the people that you meet, the organizations you're part of, the society you're part of, and, and ultimately the world. So I think that's where I've kind of, maybe taken inspiration from my roots, but also tried to go, um, even deeper into this topic, which I I honestly think is like the existential crisis of our times. How do you do meaningful work? You know, how do you find a way to balance the need to have a paycheck with uh, with having something meaningful, um, and and that's really the kind of the fascinating space I'm exploring right now.
0: And 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 this space that you're exploring, uh, you, you kind of you dove into uh, in part uh, while watching the devastation occur in Sri Lanka during the the, the Southeast Asian tsunami a number of years ago what was that like being you know at the time you were employed by a big company you were watching all this disaster occur from where you're from how did you sit with that in this new country that you're now living in
1: Yeah, so at that time i was living in london and i'd gone back to sri lanka for uh, my brother's wedding you know and, and it was supposed to be a really happy joyous occasion And, you know, we woke up on December 26, 2004 in Colombo, the capital city, which was fortunately sheltered, from the tsunami, because it's on the opposite coast to where the the waves hit. But we woke up to a country where 30,000 of our fellow countrymen had died in one day. And it was a pretty devastating thing to be part of. Um, And we kind of like everybody else, tried to do our best to help with the relief efforts and, you know, uh, helping with supplies and refugee camps and all those things. But it really was a turning point for me. It really kind of shook me out of the um, complacency that I was in. I went back to London. where I lived the time. I quit my job. And then I went traveling around the world for six months. And... That was almost uh, one of the foundational moments where I really started to question what I did for a living. Um, and, I, and I realized that I didn't want my legacy to be that I just helped people buy more stuff. And so I think that I could almost point to as one of the you know, root causes of me really starting to question what I did. And, and it's, it's kind of you know fitting that it happened in Sri Lanka, this country that I love so much and I was born in. And um, has led me to kind of go on this journey to try and find a better way of doing what I do for a living.
0: And and one of the things that you experience when you're traveling the world is meeting a a, a wide variety of people, listening to their feelings and perspectives, and use that you know to guide your action. One of the one of the key topics in your book, uh, wonderful uh, best-selling book, "Good Is the New Cool." One of the key concepts is about um, citizens, not consumers. Did you have to uh, – I- is that when that concept came up, when you really got a, a grasp of the people of the world? Yeah, I think it happened
1: when we were on this four-and-a-half-year journey to write Good as a New Cool." So it, it really started with a conversation between me and my good friend and co-author Bobby Jones. Uh, who was, like me, somebody, a veteran of marketing, all on the agency side. And we were having lunch one day, and we were just talking to each other about how we didn't feel like what we did was meaningful. And in that conversation, we came up with the idea to to start, start going on this journey to discover people who were doing inspiring things. At that point, it was kind of a book, but it was more amorphous. And all we did was literally call up people who we thought were doing inspiring things and say, can you give us a 45-minute interview? And that ended up being the 21 stories that you have in the book, Good is a New Cool, from all walks of life. So there are people from brands, the brand side, the people who work at Zappos, Citibank, The Honest Company. There were people who worked on the nonprofit side, the people who work for culture creators like Scooter Braun, who manages Justin Bieber. or. Bobby Campbell, who manages Lady Gaga. And from those 21 interviews, we were able to distill um, what we had learned down into a set of these seven principles of how brands uh, and nonprofits and culture creators can collaborate in this new world um, of how to make money and do good by harnessing the power of cool. And one of those principles was think of people as citizens, not consumers. And that's really... From a brand perspective, if you think about um, people just as consumers, right, um, which is now a word I really try to avoid whenever possible, you're only thinking about them in a very transactional way. You're only thinking about them in a very kind of narrow way. Whereas if you think about them as citizens with a wide range of interests and things that they're passionate about, suddenly you as a brand can have a multidimensional conversation with them. And you can really look at their lives and see how you as a brand can, instead of disrupting their life with advertising, can really optimize their life by creating things which solve problems in their lives. So it's, it's really a perspective shift that we try to um, you know preach to our clients uh, via the consultancy and really help them understand how you can have a much richer, much more productive relationship uh, than if you just think about people as consumers.
0: Hmm. And so you're having this amazing four and a half year journey. <clears throat> you're really diving into the, uh, the, the stories behind what make people tick. But I must ask, how did your parents react to this new chapter in your life? Your parents being you know, career marketers, career you know, lawyers and attorney generals. What do they think of you kind of shifting your, your path and forging out on your own like this?
1: Well, I think one of the wonderful things about my parents is that they always knew I wanted to be a writer, you know, and uh, God bless them. They let me go and do a degree in English literature as my undergraduate degree when most South Asian parents would have been horrified at the idea that, you know, your son or daughter didn't want to go and be a doctor or an engineer or a lawyer or, you know, an accountant, which I call like the big four. Um, And so they always empowered me to you know think about myself as a Creative person, a writer, and I think they were wholly—they have been wholly supportive about this entire journey. Um, I think they've been wholly supportive of me quitting corporate life to go and pursue this. I think, as all parents do, they had reservations about financial security, but you know, this is now year two of me doing this work, and I think uh, they're really seeing how this is not just paying fruit—you uh, know, paying bearing fruit. Um, you know, from a success point of view, but how it's really making me even happier from a meaningfulness point of view as well. So I have a lot to thank them for, for all their support over the years.
0: And earlier, by the way, what are your parents' first names?
1: Fatima and Chibli.
0: Well, Thank them for, uh, well, I will thank them for raising a wonderful son. And earlier when you were mentioning, oh. talking about, you know, the citizens, not consumers principle, you mentioned the word passion. Now, in a lot of the work that you do, you're helping people and organizations find their purpose. What's the difference between purpose and passion?
1: Uh, You've hit upon one of my favorite topics to talk about. So, (laughs) you know, I have to, first of all, give credit to somebody else who's been a mentor to me in this space, and his name is True Pettigrew. Um, and he's somebody I knew in the world of advertising and marketing when I was at Heineken and, uh, you know, we, we worked together when he, when he, when he ran an agency and he has really been my purpose coach and my, my kind of guru when it comes to this whole space. I did a tremendous amount of work with him when I was making this transition from corporate life to doing what I do. Um, and we used his methodology, which is called GPS. Um, to really help me clarify my purpose and and role and what I wanted to do. And um, the methodology, I think, is really powerful because it breaks down how to find purpose into a very simple construct. So the G in GPS stands for what are your gifts, the P stands for what are you passionate about, and the F stands for who can you be of service to. So in my case, I realized that I had a gift of storytelling, whether that was through uh, writing books or being on stage and delivering keynotes, which is a large part of the work I do. I was passionate about this idea of brands and social impact. I was passionate about the idea of helping people find you know, purpose and meaning in their work. And I realized that I could be of service to um, all those people in brands who are trying to find ways of having their brands do some good. And also all those people inside corporations who are trying to find a more meaningful way of doing their work. Um, so I think knowing your passion is a crucial part of that uh, um, journey to purpose. And we define passion, by the way, not just as you know your passions in terms of your hobbies, right? Which could be music or food or travel. But really, again, what makes you passionate as a citizen? What makes you mad? What gets you out of bed in the morning You know, there's a a wonderful phrase like "What breaks your heart?" Um, And if you could find that thing and apply your gifts, whatever those gifts are, whether they're you know leadership or problem solving or being visionary, you can be of service to a group of people or an idea that's bigger than yourself. And I think that really is almost like the the kind of framework uh, in terms of helping people find purpose that I, I think is really powerful.
0: And and the application of this, you know, what what kind of people can go out and, and find their passion and purpose? I mean, what if someone says, "But but Afdell, I I hate w- where I work. I don't believe in the company's mission. What do you do then?" Well, I think
1: you have a choice, right? You can um, leave. You can go and find another company that which is mostly closely aligned to your mission, or you can do what i did and set up your own company. You know, I, I i a large part of the time when we talk to companies, i find that you don't usually have to leave. I think there's a way to really find a way to align what you believe in with the company's mission if it has a you know, really noble and inspiring one in the first place. But a lot of the times it's completely fine to leave and do your own thing if if it doesn't make you happy and fulfilled, then why would you not Try to find a place where, let's face it, you're going to spend the majority of your life at work. It's the thing which occupies a bigger chunk of time than anything else that we do. And so why wouldn't you want to keep optimizing that and trying to find a place that is completely in sync and aligned with um, what you believe in and the impact that you want to leave.
0: And so how are people reacting to this? I mean, you're going into big companies and doing this amazing work, and now is the right time to be doing this. But what are some kind of benefits that that they see by having, you know, empowering their people to find their purpose?
1: Well, what we are witnessing right now uh, is really a powerful moment. We and we talk about, you know, in our work, the three waves that are hitting right now. You have a wave of consumers who want the companies in their lives and the brands they buy to stand up for something good uh, and to do good via their, um, you know, purchases. We call it voting with your wallet for the kind of world that you want to live in. <clears throat> uh, wave number two is employees. Like people want to work for companies that can show how their work ladders up to a social impact, especially with millennials and Gen Z, you're seeing this. But it's really true across the board. If you look at the data, it's Gen Xers, there's baby boomers. Everybody wants their work to have some sort of meaningful impact. And wave number three is investors. So you're seeing this in, you know, in January with um, Larry Fink, who's the CEO of BlackRock, which is the single largest U.S. investor, you know, $6.3 trillion under management, saying from now on, BlackRock expects all the companies that we invest in to show social impact around financial returns. So the confluence of these three massive tectonic shifts are now making it this golden moment where it is possible for companies to do good and make money and give their employees a sense of meaningfulness and keep their investors happy all at the same time. So the the upside for companies are huge. I think the problem is um, one of alignment, like we talked about, um, and that's was my realization after a year of doing you know good as a new cool and traveling around the world and. Giving keynotes and advising some major clients, I realized that there was no point in a brand having um, you know a great purpose if the people inside that company didn't believe it or it didn't have it aligned with their own personal purpose so that's why we've now embarked on this kind of new layer of work um, around this new um, idea of how to love your work in the 21st century and that really is where we're applying the GPS methodology to help people inside those companies triangulate how their purpose connects to a bigger mission. And that's when you really see the magic occur. Um, The companies that we're tracking, the Airbnbs, the Teslas, the Patagonias, these companies have done an amazing job of not just having a purpose but empowering their employees to participate in that purpose. And that is really the difference between success and failure, I think, in this day and age.
0: And one of the concepts you talk about in your book, to to go on the the people side of things, one of the one of the concepts is that people are the new media. How important yeah. is how important are people and community in the twenty first century?
1: They're the most important thing of all, uh, because what we're now living in is an age of radical transparency. Um, you now have. The ability uh, everybody has the ability to become a media network in and of themselves, thanks to the power of social media and the internet. And so, first of all, when you think about inside a company and you think about corporate culture, um, there's a great quote in the book uh, uh, that is a new call from Jason Maiden, one of our interviewees, and he said, "Culture is the first product of any company before you ship a single sneaker or sunglasses or." bottled water, the first thing people see is the culture of the company. And so if your culture isn't in a good place, that's going to leak out to the outside world. People will be able to see right in, into the company. Um, secondly, when it comes to your customers and the people who buy the product, they're able to, um, we call it weaponized word of mouth at scale if they don't like what you're doing. So the negative uh, manifestation of this is boycotts that you see happening, spreading like wildfire. Like right now, we're tracking the boycott NRA uh, movement that's happening where companies like United and Delta and uh, uh, First National Bank and Hertz and Avis are like divesting themselves of any ties to the NRA. Um, so that's the negative manifestation of people are the new media for brands. The positive manifestation is that if people love what you do, they will tell other people about it. So if you ask any marketer to look at a ranking of what is most powerful in driving their brand, word of mouth is always at the top of any list. It goes above TV or you know, radio or any other channel. It's word of mouth. So right now, those brands that are succeeding are the ones who are doing things, real actions, not just promises and words um, that people engage with. Uh, and agree with and identify with, and then people are taking it upon themselves to spread that gospel and say, I love this brand, I love what it's doing, I want to tell you about it. And that really is the holy grail for marketers today. How to use something that's meaningful enough, with a great product or great service or great marketing, that people then become your greatest advocates
0: and spread the message for you. And what are some ways that you're seeing people doing this advocacy work?
1: I think, uh, you know, one of the best examples recently has been Patagonia, um, you know, where they made a commitment that's uh, in keeping with their purpose, which, by the way, is to use the power of business to inspire solutions to the environmental crisis. And they're a brand who've been doing it for, you know, 30, 40 years and, and doing it with such integrity. And so you're seeing them um, recently in the last year really highlight the whole topic around um, the protection of federal land, the protection of national parks. And when we had a situation in this country when President Trump decided to sign legislation to return those parks to state land, uh, state control, meaning that the likelihood that that would be used for you know, mining and deforestation and all sorts of things got exponentially higher. Patagonia, first of all, took a stand in terms of its lobbying uh, ahead of time to really leverage its um, massive consumer base to lobby um, Congress and legislation to avoid it happening and had an amazing kind of take-up of people who signed on to their campaign to spread the word. And then when um, the legislation went through anyway, um, you saw Patagonia take out full page in the New York Times talking about the, how the president stole your land and how they were going to file, you know, um, uh, they were going uh, to sue, to counter sue uh, against that, that decision. And what's really fascinating about the story is that the day after they did that, Patagonia's same day sales were five times higher than they had been exactly a year ago on that day. So you're seeing the power of Patagonia not only use its uh, you know, um, consumers as citizens, but you're also seeing those same citizens reward Patagonia with their loyalty when they see the brand standing up for the values that they believe in and championing the causes that are close to their hearts as well.
0: Now, as you're doing all this wonderful work and supporting so many amazing leaders, what's the balance like? in terms of separating you from work, at what point does you helping others find their their passion and purpose uh, dilute you living your own passion and purpose, especially running a company? How do you balance that?
1: Uh, There is no daylight between my purpose in my work and what I do for a living. I think that's one of the... um, benefits of having clarity of what your purpose is. You know, I, my purpose is to inspire purpose as circular as that sounds. And I see it very clearly, um, against three groups. Um, one is at a societal level, and that's why, um, you know, Good is a New Cool, the book is a great channel to be able to, uh, spread that gospel around the world. Um, we're also working on a good as a new cool TV show, which is going to be super exciting, you know, telling the stories of inspirational people, um, which will, which will really kind of open this idea up to a much bigger audience. Um, the next level down from societal is organizations, And that is, um, the work that we do via conspiracy of love, which is my consultancy. Um, and, and we get to go into organizations and and really collaborate with people who want to change those corporations and brands from the inside out. Um, And that is such uh, interesting work to be involved in. And then finally, uh, from societal and organizational individual. Uh, And this is kind of like the new area where I'm really fascinated by personal purpose and how to unlock it. Um, And that's really the work that I'm now rolling out in partnership with True Pettigrew and the whole GPS to purpose methodology um, as well. So it's it all of these three things fill me with energy. You know, they make me want to get up in the morning. They make me want to work even harder. And so that's what I, I've, I've found. If you can find a thing that, that you would probably almost do for free anyway, um, it's a pretty powerful engine to have at the center of your life. Um, and so... That, that really is the kind of main uh, way I, I look at the work that I do. I, I think one important thing when you're doing this kind of work is to make sure that you make time for your family. You know, I have a, a wife, a wonderful wife, Shana, who is so supportive of everything I do. I have a four-year-old son, Nuri, and I think that's really the tension where I want to make sure that uh, because I'm so committed to this work that I never forget them. and never forget to make time for them. Um, and really try and do a good job of balancing my purpose with being a good husband and being a good father. I think that's always something which um, everybody has to juggle with, Uh, not just me, but it's something that I'm very conscious of, of trying to make sure that I do it right.
0: Hmm. And so to all the listeners who are tuning in, feeling lonely, disconnected, unfulfilled, completely insecure about what steps to take first, what would you say to them?
1: I say going on a journey to find your purpose is the greatest journey you will ever take. Um, And the greatness is in the journey in taking that first step. And I think what's wonderful about this moment is that there are tools and processes available for you to be able to take that first step, uh, and, and kind of slowly start to go on that path to find it. And there's a couple of, you know, principles we apply, um, when, when talking about this work. And one is start with what you have. You may not think you have much, but you probably have a wealth of relationships and knowledge and experience and access and resources that a lot of other people on this planet don't have. So, one is start with what you have, think about what you have at your disposal, and use that to slowly start experimenting with um, you know, finding ways to bring purpose and meaning into your life. We say purpose is built, not found. It's not one big thing, it's lots of different things in different parts of your life that you can slowly assemble into something that helps you find that meaning. Two is clarity follows action. You will not know what the end of this journey looks like. Uh, but it will become clearer to you with every step that you take. Um, I had no idea, you know, five or six years ago when I started writing this book, Good as a New Cool, that it would lead me to where I am today, which is running a consultancy, going around the world and doing this kind of really meaningful, nourishing work, um, helping organizations and people find purpose. Uh, So it's okay if it's unclear at the beginning. It will become clearer every step of the way. And three, and this is maybe most important, is find your allies. You don't have to do this alone. Go and find other people like you who are out there, who are on this journey, and together you can collaborate. You can support each other. You can you can um, help each other um, on this journey, and it becomes a lot easier if you have other people to help you as well. Um, So, yeah, I'd say it's the greatest work you can do on yourself, um, especially if you're at the point where you are successful by other means, you may have by other metrics, you may have a really good career, you may have a wonderful family, but you may find yourself like I did, feeling like there was something missing. And I I always encourage people to scratch that itch uh, because it's really the doorway into something much more transformational that you could be doing with your life.
0: Amazing words from what I consider a a true friend and a great ally in this space to shake up the system and help others do good in their world. Afdell, I thank you for coming on our podcast.
1: Thank you, Chris. And thank you for all the great work you do with the 747 club. I think you built something pretty inspirational and incredible. And uh, please invite me to your next dinner. I'd love to see you again.
0: Absolutely. Well, folks, You heard it from the horse's mouth. Go out, take a a few small actions. Let us know your results. It's a journey, and I hope you take it. If you liked what you heard today, please click that subscribe button. Please share this episode with your friends. We need to get this message out. Email in with any thoughts, questions, concerns, or ideas of future people we should have on this podcast. I really hope you took this one to heart. I hope y'all are having a phenomenal day on Earth. Remember, folks, it's your world. Go explore, and we'll see you next episode.